I can be cordial with anybody. I just don't choose to be. If we're talking about titles, if that's really a thing, my question for you, is Sharice really the queen? Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, is he asking me a question or is this a tag? Like, it felt very sneaky, which I'm extremely into. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys. Happy Monday. It's Andy's Girls. You know what? I don't know the episode number. It's like 370 whatever. But I do know that I'm so happy to record with one of my absolute favorite guests, someone who is quite literally wearing a crown right now. And I think it is because he is, in fact, the king. You know him as news and entertainment journalist and pop culture expert. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Richie Sky. Thank Richie. you for having me. Oh, my God. So tell me why we I hope people can see. I mean, I assume this crown is going to be shown on one of your myriad of exciting and uber fabulous uh, social media channels. What is the idea behind this crown-esque ideal? Okay, so on today's recap, uh, well, recap of Potomac, we were discussing Mm -hmm. is Karen the queen of Potomac or is Sharice the queen of Potomac? So I thought, you know, why not bring out the crown, especially because it's also Martin Luther King Day. So I was like, that is so appropriate for a crown. So I said, let's, let's have a little fun. And I do like a costume. I do love a little cosplay. Yes. And I feel like there is maybe a little bit of cosplay going on in Potomac with the idea of who is the queen on the show, like in the Mm. eyes of the audience versus who is the queen in Potomac society. And it's Mm. interesting to see the difference be explored on Potomac, like the things that they're saying, but the things that they're not. Exactly. That's why I think this discussion is so interesting. And then is there really a queen of Potomac? Like in general, I mean, it's so funny when you get into the nuances of like what Potomac actually is in terms of the city of DC. It's kind of, it's a very interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon to introduce publicly. What is your definition of the queen of Potomac? How would you define it? I guess it's, are we talking about the show? Or are we talking about, again, like you said, real life? Right. You know, I, I said this in a in a recent video, you know, just looking at the social media and you're looking at what you see on social of like events and that sort of thing around Potomac, you will definitely see Sharice in attendance and, and amongst the who's who of like, I guess you would say society of Potomac or really kind of DC, right? But ultimately, when you think about the show, you're not mm. thinking about Sharice. I mean, granted, Sharice might have been the coordinator, but I don't know if she would hold that queen title because she's no longer really on the show as a full-time cast member. So that's kind of a hard thing to really digest as an audience who's a member who's watching this, right? You're kind of like, wait, but Sharice is just a friend. How is she the queen? How does that make sense? Well, I feel like that's kind of like the position that Giselle and Robin are pushing so forcefully. Like, Karen, we know that you have established yourself as the grand dame. We know that the audience not only has embraced it, but celebrates it. But what does that actually mean? But the question then becomes, 
wasn't it Giselle that graced her with that title? So Giselle, are you taking that back? Oh, I mean, what happens when a moment of sarcasm breaks out? That's kind. Maybe that's why Giselle is so pissed because she was like, I wasn't being literal here. <laughs> and now this woman has taken it and used it very successfully as a brand. Like, how do you rescind a moment that lives on and has additional lives in terms of all things Bravoholic? Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how years later things play out on these shows? Like yes. when you think about how a show starts and sometimes how it ends or at least where it is now, and you look back and you say, well, you know, in the beginning, Karen definitely wasn't the fan favorite, but mm. she's grown to be that. And it's been mostly through comedy. Yes. And comedy that like she's positioned as a comedian and comedy where it's like a comedy of errors. Exactly. Kind of like a, a uh, I was going to say kind of like a Sonia Morgan, but I yes. feel like. No, I think that's right. Okay, but you tell, know me what I mean? tell me more. No, well, I think it's kind of like a Sonia Morgan, but I think Karen takes herself a bit more seriously than Sonia does at times. Yes. Um. So it seems like, I mean, the jokes are even funnier because she is so serious about it. I mean, listen, as the ambassador of Surrey County, and then the commercial <laughs> is filmed in Potomac, but for Iconic. her to still hold on to this notion that, you know, I but I'm, I take Surrey County with me. You know what I mean? It's kind of mm -hmm. like, what are we doing? But it's hilarious for some reason. It, it's endearing to a certain degree. And similar to Sonia, I mean, it's it's what allowed people to really gravitate to her when sometimes half the cast of New York became unlikable at, at times. Yeah. And I think like with Sonia, she sometimes had this like kind of light and effusive delivery, exactly. even though sometimes like things she were saying, things she was saying was like nuts, but she, the delivery of it was charming. And with Karen, it's also charming, but I think also drier and like exactly. more centered, but both of them believe themselves. I think the difference is like Sonia in real life, really, really missed the yacht. I think so. the way yeah. that Sonia probably talked about her ex-husband probably isn't, and her former life probably isn't that different in terms of how she talked about it in her continued highbrow social circles versus the cast. With Karen, though, I don't know how much of the grand dame carries over into her non- Bravo life like versus Sonia where it kind of became one in the same um, which adds I think a little bit of something to this no I think you're right and I think it also carries over into the discussion about you know um, the actual queen of Potomac in the sense mm -hmm. that I, I do feel like when you are looking at photographs of people who are out and about and around town and stuff like that you don't see a lot of pictures of Karen and right. one could say that's you know she's you know, kind of catering to an idea of exclusivity, or maybe she's just living her life, you know, um, away from, you know, the, the camera. And I don't mean the camera as in the show, but I mean, the, the social media camera, because I, I kind of feel the same way, like outside of, you know, what I do or what I talk about, you know, I'm not, I don't go, I don't go to a lot of events. I'm not that much of a social butterfly. I'm mm -hmm. an introvert who, 
prefers reading books and staying at home and, you know, being cozy on the couch or traveling or, you know, that sort of thing. So um, it's an interesting thing, this, this idea of, you know, how seriously these people take these titles with these shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with Karen, there probably has been a little bit of a merging, but what I thought about that moment, which seemed to be entirely led by Giselle and then she did like a little bit of a volley tap out and Robin tapped herself in um was the was a little bit of the reveal behind casting like the fact that people with production or with casting really took note of Karen not because um not because Sharice knew Karen, but because Karen was quite literally seated at a table that Sharice was at. It made me feel a little bit of like a Real Housewives of New York OG beginning in terms of how casting came together. Also Beverly Hills in terms mm-hmm. of how casting came together. And what was interesting in that moment was like Karen wasn't disputing that fact, but I couldn't figure out who we were speaking to like was Giselle really trying to drag Karen or the audience and same with Charisse. it's a good question um as I was doing my little commentary on like social last night it came mm. to it hit me that the tragedy of this entire two things actually um you mentioned something that harkens back to Beverly Hills and New York Mm -hmm. which is I think one of the reasons why Potomac has been so successful is because there really is this um history yes there's this history of the women no at least knowing each other or knowing of each other and I would actually like to see more casting in that direction um Mm. because I think we've gotten the the uh younger crowd down pat I think we've gotten that, but I would, because now this conversation is coming back up, who else was on the periphery? Do we, is, was there a Dorinda in our mix that we didn't, you know how Dorinda just kind of came in and she fit like a, like a puzzle piece Mm -hmm. was, is there anybody else in that group or in that social circle that could be brought in, you know, in a future season that could give us that feeling that Dorinda gave us when she first came? Um, I think there's that, but also, did you, did, is it, was it lost on anyone else that what the impact of what we're talking about is really, um, the story to me is in the tragedy of Mm -hmm. loss that these two women experienced. Um, I don't think anyone is really touching on that and how grief affected these two women in such a way that they saw their interactions as being very different from maybe how they were either intended or how they felt about it based on what they did later on camera or not. That's such a good point. And I feel like it's the difference in experience of like experience in how I feel now about what happened then versus the reality or the actual behavior of it and in some ways it seemed a little bit like what Karen was responding to was upset over her feeling that Sharice was using the death of her mother the death of her parents in a way that felt to Karen as manipulative by referencing it on camera and what Sharice was saying was I think in fact something else which is like 
I was there for you. But like it, in any case, can using the example of a person's loss end well? Is that ever going to end well it's, for it's either of them? It's never going to end well, particularly when it comes to what is brought up on camera and what is not brought up on camera. You know, mm-hmm. I watched a video of Karen's on her YouTube page and she has a, I mean, oh. for those who don't know, she has a, a an, it's a pretty cool YouTube page just of her reacting to things. And she's actually kind of doing her, like taking off her makeup. It's kind of like a getting ready with me type Ooh. of thing. At night. Like, so it's, you know, if, if you're into that thing, it's, it's a calming thing. Like I, I love watching those. I have no idea why. And so she's, she goes through the situation and she talks about how in season five at Candace's one year anniversary party, Sharice brought this thing up and she says she brought it up not once, but twice um, in an effort to get it captured on camera. And so Karen actually mentions that she had to go back and ask them to remove that so that it would not be used um, in a way they, there would be no story that would be attached to the passing of her mother. Wait, and this was related to the trip that we just watched or something yep. that had yep. happened prior? Because, that had happened prior? But Charisse, because Sharice's argument was that Karen was not a good friend to her after her own father passed. And so Karen, and that was Sharice's, what Sharice was trying to address with Karen mm. at the anniversary party. And this happened, what, three seasons ago? Um, and they actually showed it at the beginning of season five, I think Candace's anniversary party. But what we saw on camera was ended up being what looked like Sharice chasing after Monique and Monique avoiding her. But what we did not see was what they showed us in flashback was Sharice confronting Karen about not being for her, there for her, even though she mm. was at Karen's mother's funeral. Karen on her YouTube page then tells us that she actually got that footage removed from the show because it was a mention of her mother that she did not appreciate. Wow. And did Sharice know that that had happened? That it was removed? Yeah. And the reason why it was removed, that it wasn't just for storytelling, but specifically because Karen requested it? I don't know if she knew that, but it was an interesting reveal by Karen on her YouTube page because I was like, wow, okay, so that moment was removed, and it, but it was shown last night in flashback to give us, to, I think, to give us context for that, for their, for their beef, because otherwise, we, don't, we didn't really understand it, and it took, honestly, for me, going back to Karen's YouTube page, then watching the episode and kind of decoding all of this discussion to really get an understanding of, okay, wow, this is some interesting history here and some interesting callbacks to some moments that we really didn't, that weren't clarified or or weren't shown. And the thing that gets so complicated here is that I think Karen has every right to feel like you know, this person is is making, I am experiencing this as you using the death of my mother as a tool of manipulation. And for Sharice, she may be feeling, you know, I'm going to mention this on camera because it wasn't mentioned before because I want people to know this, which doesn't mean, and sorry, double negative, it doesn't mean she doesn't also believe that. Like for Sharice, she may genuinely feel like Karen was a bad friend. She might genuinely feel like she wants other people, meaning the cast, but also seemingly most importantly here, the audience, 
Like it doesn't mean that both of these women don't actually feel the things that they're saying, but like feeling doesn't make it fact. Yep. And so then you look at what happens when you have a friend of the show who was brought on and then cast members, full-time cast members may be recognizing that, wait, you're trying to get on the show by having a conversation with me. It's not going to happen. We've seen that play out several times. We saw it with Ramona and Elise. Remember that? Mm. We then mm-hmm. saw it with Luann and Barbara. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen, we've seen this happen before. So it's it's a very interesting concept to, to have. Um, and I even think we saw it with Nini and Marlo when, uh, like seasons ago, when they yeah, had their family fallout. event. Yep. Right, right, right. Um, so we this is not new. You know, this is a, a, a common phenomenon on these shows. Right. What's interesting here, though, is the voice are the voices of Giselle and Robin, who so vehemently want to amplify Sharice's perspective and upset. And at a different point, it shifts. And at a certain point, it shifts away from what defending what Sharice is saying to introducing or reintroducing how I feel. Like at a certain point, I'm going to put aside what Sharice is saying and I'm going to put aside amplifying that. And I'm just going to say, as Robin did, like, I don't understand how the audience allows you to get away with not saying things or sharing things. I don't understand why people aren't asking questions of your money, your house, the way that they are about other cast members. Like, I don't feel like you are being as forthright with whatever is going on in your life and it's unfair to me that I have to share so much of mine like who is giving you permission to only play this like sort of outline without filling in what's inside which I don't begrudge her for saying it is interesting it's also something that like I didn't necessarily even think about (laughs) I didn't either. I was like, I was, like, I, I was writing her permission. So I didn't even fucking care. I honestly, she's so entertaining. Look what do you want from me? And that's it. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, how dare you be so entertaining that the audience forgets to ask you or to, or the network or the, the, yeah. the studio for, for, or the forgets to ask you to be forthcoming as I am, or I'm not receiving you being that way. Because that could be perception as well, right? Yeah, and is it needed by every housewife in the way that, like, does every housewife need to be engaged in conflict in the way that does every housewife need to be an alpha? There's an importance in having some betas in the mix. Like, how important is it for your house of cards to potentially come crashing down? How important is it? I I don't know. since you brought this up, I got to ask you this question. Please. Because I was always like, and you and you said something that I, I have felt, but I have a hard time saying. So I want not God, necessarily face your, your permission. Face face. Right. Not necessarily your permission as, as, as a woman, right? Okay. But how do you feel? And I guess I, I kind of have my answer to a certain degree. Um, there are times when I do want to label 
um, a certain cast member as a beta. But I kind of feel bad for the use of that term to describe a woman. Are you, I just, I mean, it's such an interesting question, but are you just, I need to know, like, are you describing Robin? That's like the only person that I can no, think of. No, 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 no. I've been thinking about this with regards to Kyle. <laughs> oh, oh, but yes. it's, it's, it's harder. It's easier for me yes. to say that a, that a male character, um, acts in a way that conveys a beta mentality right because i'm a man right so but it, uh -huh. it's i do feel like sometimes i take certain precautions when talking about women because i am a man right so i feel like there's some level of sensitivity that i i have to have um because i'm also talking a lot of times to a lot of female viewers as well so um i do tiptoe around that the use of that term but i've wanted to use it so many times and I just stray away from it. So is that okay for me as a man to say when describing a character? I think that is such an interesting question. So interesting. So nuanced. Like literally this is like exactly why AG is here. Because this is like the shit that I fucking want to like doggy paddle all day long. <laughs> I mean, and it's so interesting like having a woman and a man have this conversation because I do think it gets into gender roles and expectations and even the like the ways that we might think of beta as a negative and how does that connect with what many people feel is the ideal of a woman being in full command, strong-willed, loud, potentially aggressive. You know, I think it's really interesting to think of beta in those terms and to have the idea of beta as a negative. Mm. And what does that mean to be a beta housewife? For some people, being a beta housewife might mean the clock is ticking. Like you're not necessarily, if you're not the center diamond, does that mean that your job is in jeopardy if you're a beta? And for me as a woman, as a Bravo-holic, whatever piece of my identity connects with this, um, I don't think of a beta as a bad thing. Okay. I do, though, think it gets really complicated when the cast treats a beta housewife as an alpha. I think that was the difficulty when LVP left and there was this whole rigmarole and like we're not joking, but I'm thinking that they're joking of like saying Kyle is the center diamond because I think of Kyle as such a strong, no matter what Reza says on Watch What Happens Live, as such a strong housewife and important member of the cast because she is a beta. She is a great tool of like, if we think of housewives as archetypes, sometimes I think of Kyle as our ears, as the person listening and reacting, but not necessarily the one potentially driving conflict. I think she's not spry, but I think that's just not where she feels comfortable. I think that was the interesting balance in her relationship with LVP until it became super unbalanced in terms of her being the one responding to LVP or like engaging in almost passive conversation. So to me, Thinking of Robin, for example, as a beta housewife in some ways isn't a bad thing. I think it's necessary on shows. I'm trying to think of who would be uh, who I would consider beta on New Jersey. And I'm actually having trouble because I think they're all 
coming out as like relatively aggressive. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you who I think. Um, tell me. Well, I'll go back to Kyle real quick. I, I considered yeah. her beta because I feel as though she has too strong of a desire to be liked. Something which Lisa yes. just mostly most recently echoed. Yeah which also prompts her to maneuver herself in a way that positions her to constantly be liked by a the cast or also the um viewer right mm -hmm. and so but mostly the cast which i think is also interesting because um well for a lot of reasons but it particularly like the erica and the lisas and and, and those people but i also think it has affected that sort of beta mentality has been the reason for much of the conflict with her sisters because i feel like she also has to step outside of this idea of being liked because you won't be liked by everyone all the time right mm -hmm. and you have to make moves for your family and for your mental sanity that will make other people feel uncomfortable and i feel like because kyle has such a hard time doing that she has a hard time dealing with her sisters who have for all intents and purposes perhaps either alpha or erratic personalities right mm. um and, and to take it to jersey i feel like melissa to me is the beta personality mm. um because i think that melissa for so long whether or not she has she she email producers to get onto the show or whatever the case may be <laughs> i feel like she's in a position where she as the wife um has to sort of take it from Teresa and from also the cast and versus simply saying I'm not doing I have this is my boundary I'm not doing this with you anymore I don't care what you think about me I don't care if you ever speak to me again and your brother will have to do you guys will have your own relationship but I just won't be a part of it and that's fine it won't affect our kids they can do whatever they want to do but I will not ever engage with you again period that's my boundary and because she's never said that that has been an issue for her since her time on this show. I mean, my God, write a thesis based on what you just said, please, full stop. <laughs> and also the idea that like a beta can be beloved. We can Absolutely. talk about beta housewives as some sort of like pejorative, right, but right. that's not necessarily how it's intended. It's like the Myers-Briggs of... Is that the name of it? Myers Briggs? I forget. I had to do like an eight hour thing of it for when I was consulting for an organization. I was paid by the hour, so I was like fine to do it. I could not tell you what my actual Myers Briggs <laughs> ended up being. I was like completely not paying attention. But um, like the Myers Briggs for some of these women can be beta. It does not mean that that is a negative, even if it's used by portions of the audience, portions of the cast to assert their power over someone. It just means this is how you perceive and react and communicate. And it's if we had a housewives cast of all alphas, it would be not pleasant to watch. We need people who are there listening. We need people who communicate differently because so much of conflict is a personality clash is someone saying I don't understand why you're not reacting to x 
situation in the manner that I am. And sometimes I might think that as a result, that's wrong. Like there's almost a spiritual beta-esque situation happening with Sharice and Karen in terms of like, in terms of understanding that this is an incredibly sensitive topic that's easily triggering when you talk about how someone is supportive of you or how that someone else needs a certain kind of support when you deal with grief, let alone grief of a family member, let alone grief of a parent, which is a very different experience, I would say, or of a caregiver, whomever plays that print potential parental role in your life. It does not need to be the person who was, you know, potentially gave birth. Um, And for me, it's like an interesting thing in terms of the idea of support as transactional. Like we have no idea what Karen was experiencing at the time of of Sharice's losing her parent. Karen has since, uh, you know, shared a text exchange she had with Sharice who said on the show, she only sent me one sentence and Karen like sent the actual proof. It was a long conversation. She was asking, I think, about services. She was definitely asking about flowers. She was definitely asking where can I make a donation in, in the name of your parent and how sorry she was. And in terms of like, can support be, should support be transactional? The way, the way that I identify as a person and as a friend might be different for you. And it's incredible that Sharice drove four hours to go to the funeral of Karen's mom. And it's absolutely possible that Sharice is very upset that Karen didn't extend the same kind of effort in supporting her. But does that mean that Karen's support was wrong? That's what's so interesting. And I think to me, that's um, that's the story that I, I, I would prefer to follow. Be, but and, and I know that we will probably never get that, that yeah. level of exploration. But um, as I was, you know, doing uh, just l- kind of reading through the comments and I was looking and just sort of mm-hmm. seeing getting the temperature of how people felt about the situation. It really, it really kind of hit me like, wow, these women have both suffered great losses. And it is really a travesty that they are not able to truly um, either mourn together or um, maneuver past this to recognize the loss that each other has experienced and just agree to disagree or, or move on. But I think it's harder to do that with the Green Eyed Bandits sort of you know, also adding their two cents to the mix. And this is the question that I want to know. You know, Sharice made clear that she was the only cast member or former cast member, member of Potomac, who didn't attend the funeral for, I forget if it was Karen, apologies, Karen's mom or dad. I think it was Karen's mom. My question for Sharice is like, who else in the cast attended your parents funeral did anyone else attend are we upset at Karen and I don't negate her upset because you put in the effort for Karen but like you're at a table with how many six other women some of whom you didn't know in that point at that point some of whom weren't in the cast so like I don't begrudge Candace for not showing up I don't even remember what the timeline was if Candace was even in the like I I don't begrudge that or obviously Dr. Wendy, Mia, I don't think was in the cast. I forget the timing of when Sharice's parent passed away. I forget if that had been uh, discussed. But like, and again, this isn't me begrudging whether or not they attended, but like, 
did Giselle attend? Did Robin? Or are we only upset at Karen? Because if you guys didn't know each other until Karen joined the show, but you did know Giselle and Robin because you maybe introduced them to casting, like, are we having that same conversation with them? That's a good question. And it's so difficult because when you're, especially when you're dealing with grief, because you, that it, it really all depends on a, what your relationship is like at the time with that person, mm. as to whether or not you would show your face at you know, such an intimate and personal moment. Um, or is it more appropriate to send flowers? Is it more appropriate to, you know, send a text message? You know, I think it, it, there's, it's such a nuanced conversation and I think you're right. It, okay. Was, well, how, where were the other ladies when, when your, when your parent passed, you know, like, were they there in a way that Karen was not like, you know, so it's hard to tell because we can't go, we're not given that much information about what happened then. Um, outside of the the flashback and you know what the stories are, but it's such an interesting dynamic to to have play out as story on the show. Yeah, because I think this is like really nuanced, and in terms of any kind of friendship, let alone female friendship, let alone friendship between women, it is so complicated and so layered and you know, nuanced on the best of days. So how does that work on the worst? Like if someone is extending to you their condolences and wants to support you and and memorialize, memorialize your mother's passing with honor by donating to organizations, by sending flowers, and who knows if, you know, that information was sent. I'd like to know what the dot, dot, dot of like what happened after that. But like, is that enough? Like, and if you needed her to be there, which I do not begrudge in any way, everyone experiences death and mourning differently. Everyone has different needs. At what point do you communicate to that person? It would be really meaningful to me if you could be there. How is Karen supposed to know? Because you went and gave her mom that honor and respected Karen in that way where you wanted to be there in person that is wonderful that might not though be the same idea or understanding to that other person even if they know that you had attended you know her mom's um funeral it's just it it's that person might not know you know I think we all experience stuff and it's like at what point are you communicating to your friend what you what your needs are and were you really friends like does did Karen it doesn't sound like Karen had a level of trust with Sharice that made her feel a warm and fuzzy feeling upon seeing Sharice there it sounded more like she's here I don't know why she's here I am suspicious of her being here if she brings this up on the show then I will know it was for other reasons and then she brings it up on the show and now it's like okay I, I this was you you brought this up to throw it back in my face in some way, shape or form. So then it becomes a, you proved me right. You know, I didn't trust you and now you're doing exactly what I thought you would do. So at that level, it, it does become like, um, I, let me let me back away from you because I, I don't want the type of energy specifically when it comes to a parent passing. 
And conversely, Sharice might be thinking, this thing is so important to me. I can't see, I can't work through it without getting to it. Like I can't get past this point until we address this. Maybe I had tried to address it before on camera. I didn't get the answer that I needed. I didn't get the like conclusion I was looking for and it also wasn't shown. So I'm going to ask you again because it's meaningful to me and obviously they don't have the kind of relationship or they're not looking for it where they like have these conversations off camera we're not like getting clued in that there's any element of trust there so that becomes a part of it too obviously karen is very triggered by this conversation it doesn't mean that it shouldn't take place but i think the way that the conversation is happening and the way that it's quickly connected to like Karen, I don't think you're being truthful about your life does make this very difficult because like mm. there's the entertainment factor of the way that this is even being shown to us that does kind of leave a person thinking the nuance of this conversation is really, truly not going to get addressed. They don't trust each other enough to talk about it in that way. There's just no trust. Yeah. And then it's kind of like grief is entertainment. Because that's what it becomes. Ultimately, yeah. whether that was a, you know, that's the end result, I should say. Uh, it may not have been the intent for anybody, but that is the end result. And here we are, you know, we're, we're talking about grief and loss because we can see what the, what the, what the real issue is, right? They're talking, they're tap dancing around it, but that's really where, where this all stems from, right? Um, I don't know. So it's just it, it was an interesting episode last night. I thought it was a good episode, but yeah. um, you know, we got a lot of interesting moments, but that to me, it kind of it stuck out to me. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. 
The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I mean, the other thing that stuck out to me and, you know, you and I have, you've been on Andy Scrolls so many times, so honored every time you come on. We've had some deep conversations during the Monique V. Candy era. And I have to say the way that Candace was talking to Ashley last night and really holding her accountable and having that conversation and like using her fucking words to say, listen, this is exactly why we can't move on. And the way that you have compared the toxicity in your marriage and projected it onto mine through the idea of like, I'm trying to protect her when I don't think that's what you were doing is why I don't have any trust in you. Like that table, trust was the appetizer and the main fucking meal. And I thought, the way that Candace was communicating her feelings in such an emotionally mature way, there was no room 
for Ashley to fuck up. And Lord knows she's going to with future behavior, even the way she's tried to like defend bringing Deborah the fuck on, uh-huh. which I, I do not believe that that was because Ashley really was like concerned for Candace's marriage. I, I like laugh at that. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. I just thought Candace, like, God, if we could see more of this Candace, I would love it. I would love it. I, I totally agree with you. It was a gentle truth, okay? You yes. know, and I felt like this was a, a case where Candace used her intelligence uh, and turned it into a superpower because not mm. only was she, I think, gentle, gently accurate and articulate with how she phrased it, but she also was gracious in an outpouring of love by saying to Ashley, I want for you to experience a situation where you don't have to worry or think about these things in such a way that that level of toxicity is now being projected onto other people. I wish for you a relationship free from that level of mess and toxicity. And just to be able to close that conversation i mean it could have ended there technically um Mm -hmm. but just to summarize it in that way i was just like man like that to me is one i I, like i will there are reads on housewives that we will remember but there are reads that are so steeped in truth um but also factual kindness that i think go beyond anything that someone could say to cut somebody down because she didn't cut her down. She actually uplifted her, but by, but she also told her the truth. Mm-hmm. I was impressed. I was, I was highly impressed. Same. And accountability can come with respect. And I felt like Candace was giving respect and having that conversation to begin with and being relatively measured while still holding Ashley to account. And Ashley being like, well, I don't feel like you were that respectful of the situation with my husband. But then you get these flashes of Ashley being like, ha ha, now it's your turn, which it's just the equalization of Michael Darby to these rumors and allegations by who the fuck ever. It's just, it, it, it still continues to confound, but at least they got to the heart of the matter. And I was also appreciative of Candace being like, you know what, Mia, the way that you're not apologizing to Dr. Wendy, because apparently you're not apologetic, but you're apologizing to everyone else for being there to witness you being so fucking gross to Dr. Wendy is triggering to me. Like Candace has talked about being triggered before and there has been sort of like a gap for me in understanding some of those triggers, which is fine. Like I don't have to understand the way someone is triggered to listen to them. Um, It would be impossible for all of us to have had that kind of history uh, because one person's feeling and vulnerability is so specific to their own experience. But for Candace to say that, like, Mia, you being so fucking rude and dismissive of what Dr. Wendy experienced is so triggering because that's how I felt my experience was disrespected by Monique. I thought was like very, very spot on. And Mia not getting that is just kind of like, 
a window into Mia, which was followed by Dr. Wendy, like dragging her like past the gates of hell, like dragging her so fully past like Hades has seen nothing like this. Like and and Dr. Wendy like doesn't need to get up, you know? No. She doesn't need to. Um yeah, I even appreciated Candace's grace with how she described, you know, that yes. situation to Mia. And you know, she constantly was advocating for Mia to make things right with Jacqueline. Actually, yep. honestly, I gotta give it to the group. The group has not fed into these two women who have an apparent sisterly bond, um, none of the group seems to approve of the two of them parting ways in the way that they have. I mean, it's there's so much under the surface that I feel like we don't understand yet about their dynamic and what's causing this. But it seems like I do appreciate that none of the group is kind of like, like this isn't worth it because you guys are really, really friends. Like that's a like this, that sacred ground. But also I agree with you. Like, I wish that Mia would, um, it's almost like there's a, this stubbornness and this unwillingness to admit to any wrongdoing. And there's, there's no lack of strength in that. You know what I'm saying? There's no, you're not still a boss babe in that 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 doesn't you know what i mean it doesn't mean that you that you're weak in any way shape or form mm. but that also makes me wonder about like is this does this have more to do with you know mia's experience growing up the way that she did um and projecting this this idea of strength as i will not back down i will not apologize because we see it happening with jacqueline we see it also happening with wendy so is is there an issue for Mia with it, admission of of guilt? Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Um, I'm sorry to you. Um, let me fix this. Or is it? Is it, but because it, it seems very. I was right. You're wrong, and now I'm going to dismiss you. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like in both situations to me. Versus clearly seeing girl you have some ownership that you need to take in this situation in both of these situations why aren't you reflecting and why is no one else having this conversation with Mia yeah I mean I feel like a lot of the people at that table have a real selective memory which is such an lol considering Robin like made a full fucking point of being whatever they call like rmz or whatever like whatever the like comparison to tmz was like you have footage on your camera i forget when you started to film but obviously from what we have seen dr wendy responding to mia is not the same thing as dr wendy starting all of this and if we're now going to punish dr wendy for saying things when she stood up for herself after being um disrespected in the manner that she was like I don't know really what there is to say about that let alone isolating the person who to me was not in any way at fault for what happened at that table like that's really tough it doesn't really track here it's a hard sell because you know just years two years two to three years prior they're like oh my god we we don't right. stand for this, you know, I, how how will this make us look, you know, yada, yada. Um, 
you know, again, it's it's like you you got clearly yes, you don't like Wendy. Fine, 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 fine. But does that therefore change your own stance on this, or or did you really only have that stance because you didn't like who that person was? You didn't like Monique. Let's be honest, Giselle and Robin. They didn't like Monique. Right. They found her fault. They found her fault. They found her 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 weak point. They utilize it to get her off the show or to push her out of the group. I should say to isolate her. And now they are still, in a sense, choosing someone to isolate them, and they're not even being objective about the situation at hand. Which is whether you like me or not. She threw a drink. She attempted to hit Wendy with a pocketbook. <laughs> And now she's not apologizing to Wendy. Yeah, I think that's it gets into this like weird area, too, when these women are trying to like reposition the history of what happened. And it's just not it's not landing. If there's upset about the ways that the audience has celebrated you know, Karen, without maybe asking a couple follow-ups, like wait until they hear the follow-ups in real time that are taking place, like especially with Giselle and Robin. I think the reunion is going to be very tough for them in that way. I, I hope that it is in terms of like asking these questions because there seems to be such a willingness to disregard questions that the audience has. Hopefully, there will be some accountability there, or at the least, if there's no accountability, like just a smidge of listening. I know this is so random, and if, if we were not going to go there, let me know. Okay, let's go everywhere. It's it's related to reunions, which I I think the reunion for Potomac is filming on the nineteenth. Oh my but, god! Wait, of this month? Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. Um, but my question for you is. In the spirit of holding people accountable at reunions, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, do you think it was smart, a good idea to not have Jen at the reunion for Salt Lake City? Well, I'm going to take Andy at his word, one of many he has uttered in several different directions, and say that the network decided to cut ties with Jen because they disinvited her to BravoCon, even though they continue to film with her after her change of plea, even though Andy is being dragged on social media today (laughs) for some stuff that Chris (laughs) Wallace uh, referenced. Andy was like, no, that didn't happen. And absolutely did of him, of Andy saying, following her change of plea that he hoped she got zero time in jail, which he was like, I didn't say that after her plea. And Chris was like, you did. And then I was like on social media earlier today, here are the receipts of you saying exactly that. I think that them cutting ties with Jen was all fine and good and important. And I just wonder who tied that not so fucking quick because they aren't having her at the reunion, but now they're filming with her separately, which means she's not going to be held accountable by the members of the cast that she defrauded in terms of like housewife performativity by doing this whole innocence project act for two fucking seasons, two seasons plus. So like them filming with her is a benefit to her and them having the conduit of the guy who said on his radio show, um, in an interview with Us Magazine and on Watch What Happens Live, three separate occasions, not only do I wish she gets a light sentence or no jail time, but I'm going to laugh and make light of people asking 
what happened to that tie cutting? What do I think of them filming with her separately? I think it's a great thing for Jen because we understand the level of empathy Andy has for her. We understand Andy's positioning as being something where like the idea of victims is an area he can or won't connect with. We understand Andy as someone who like his perception of justice is directly tied to his business interests here, where he literally said, I hope she gets no jail time so she can come back to film as soon as possible. Again, those cutting of ties is like, uh, we're, we're just, we're tying tighter. We're, we're tying tighter every day. We're just giving her an extra day in which to present to the world that she feels bad, which is for the network, a way for them to say, we also feel bad. As Jen feels bad, so do we. And as Jen is allowing herself to dream of the day she's back in the cast, obviously so is the network. So how do I feel about her not filming at the reunion? I feel like she is. She's there. She just has a better fucking seat. She she gets to sit. It's not a question of like who's sitting next to Andy. It's a question of Jen is the only one. And how great is that for Jen? How do you feel? Oh, you just, I don't know. I mean, just but like the thing is, it's like, it's like, but I also understand I had a conversation with another, with a friend of mine, a creator who very much disagreed with some stuff I put on social media and was like, no, we as the audience deserve to hear her answer questions. And I'm like, I don't begrudge that. I, I was not like initially like, how dare they film with her? That that was, I was like, okay, like let's wait and see. But then I'm understanding what Andy is saying in real time. I'm reading what he said previously after her plea change. I'm watching him saying, I, I hope her sentence is light on TV. And I'm like, if we understand that the person asking the questions is making light of important questions being asked of him, of the network. Why are we assuming that Jen, who has lied to everyone, who I would argue also lied to the court in the Jen she presented herself to be, which is not the full Jen, it's not the majority Jen, it's the the 2% of repentant Jen, which exists, which I'm sure is real, but that's not the entirety And Jen also said repeatedly, and her defense argued for months, that her time on reality TV was entirely scripted and produced. She was playing a character like on a scripted, like NBC procedural. If our idea of filming with Jen is so that we can get answers, like why would you think that Jen would deliver them? And if the idea is to see Jen feel discomfort, why do you think the network would want to position her at that in that way when they haven't fired her? Like, if we're looking for accountability from Jen, I get that, and I appreciate that, and I don't do any boycotts. I don't say don't watch. Everyone has the right to watch and find whatever value they want, including in disagreeing with what they're seeing. I don't participate in any of that. But I just have to ask someone who plans to watch if this is even happening, like, our expectation of seeing Jen in discomfort when she's sitting next to Andy, who doesn't seem to respect or understand or appreciate the kinds of questions that are being asked, who was held accountable by Chris Wallace this weekend for even saying, like, the shit that you said recently doesn't make sense. I don't know that, like, we're looking for a judge and jury here, and the jury might be the audience, but when you have that kind of judge, I don't know that this is going to go that way because he has a vested interest in it not. Ah, 
it's this is difficult for me because I I I gotta be honest. I watched the first episode of Salt Lake City, and I watched <gasps> oh! I watched the last episode of Salt Lake. Oh my City. god! Did you not watch any of the shit in the middle? <laughs> no, I Richie saw it. I saw it all on social media. Sky. <gasps> oh my god! If that is not a fucking housewives drop, like that is a mid-season trailer. Do people know that? I didn't fucking know that. I've seen you reacting to stuff on social. Yeah, I'm reacting to. I'm reacting to social. Okay, I'm reacting Richie to social. Sky, I am shaken <laughs> right now. Wait, so what do you think about this filming and what do you think about Oh god, I have so many What do you think about this filming and will you watch it when when it airs assuming this is what's happening? We haven't gotten concrete confirmation as of Monday early afternoon. Okay. So let me give you my the background. You know, typically Please. I have done Salt Lake City reviews with Adam from Up and Adam. Um, and for whatever reason, and there's no, uh, there's no issue. We just didn't do it this season. Um, yeah. I know that he's busy. I'm busy. So, but you know, we're still the type to text and, you know, catch up with totally. each other and all that. So it's, it's nothing like that. Um, it was just a situation of, I had to ask myself, what do I reasonably have time for with everything that I'm trying to accomplish? Right. And, you know, when you commit to a show in the way that um, I do it for YouTube, I am literally, I'm when I'm watching, Sarah, when I'm watching a show, I am taking notes like an effing secretary, okay? Mm-hmm. I I used to be a technical writer. So when I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking notes, okay? Detailed notes, pages and put on um, pages of notes. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask myself, is it worth sacrificing? Okay, I could give a general, I could just watch the show and not take any notes and just do a review. I could do that, right? But that's not what I like to do. Um, so I had to ask myself, time-wise, is this going, to, is this season going to give me what I need in terms of A, um, me committing the time to watching it? Is it going to be beneficial? Is it going to be entertaining? Am I going to understand what's going on? Um and I just found that it, to me, wasn't that entertaining, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, only five cast members. I, gen- I generally don't like that idea anymore because there isn't really a cast that can carry it like early seasons of New Jersey. Um, yeah. You know, it's just not, It's just. it just wasn't, it didn't seem like it was going to give me what I needed. And to be honest with you, I got most of my information from social media. I could watch the scenes play out on social media, the highlight reels. I could see all that, which is a fortunate thing and an unfortunate thing, right? The the other thing about that is I wanted to watch the last episode because I needed to understand, again, why they took out that one piece of scene from Dana, uh, because that seemed to be the one of the highlights of the trailer when it first premiered, right? And as I watched the episode, I now un- get a better understanding now that I've watched the bookends. Um, I got a better understanding of why they took that out. Um, it seemed as though they wanted to really capture more of the Jen Shaw um, of it all at the end. I would have preferred that they simply finish out the season as they had intended to, given us that 30-minute special along with the sit-down with Andy. Um, right after that. That could have been an hour-long TV special that they did after the reunion. Um, 
I'm looking at this specifically from a story perspective and telling the story um, for audience completion. Do I think she should have been at the reunion? Yes. I do think that there is some level of these women were exposed to someone in their friendship group literally lying to their faces, okay? You know, for see, for scene after scene after scene, proclaiming her innocence, how I need to see their responses and their reactions to this woman, even if she has said, well, I can't talk about the case. Oh, but there's plenty for you to talk to about and plenty for you to respond to. And you should have to be, you should have to respond to those things because the audience was made to watch you Again, scene after scene, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. You know, the lies, literally. No, she deserved to be confronted by those women because those women are the ones who had more at stake because that was not only them and their reputations. You know, Meredith is a former attorney, you know, and mm -hmm. she's going to bat for this woman. You know what I mean? There, 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 there did need to be some uh, comeuppance at the reunion, and she needed to be there for that. And I, I think it's a travesty that she wasn't. Um, the sit down special, I, it's neither here nor there to me because if she, I don't think if if you're not going to have her at the reunion, what more are you going to really get from her uh, with the sit down with Andy other than some an opportunity for her to um, seem apologetic. Um, is there really going to be any real questions answered? Girl, did you do this? Why did you do this? What was the reason? Did Coach Shaw help you? Like, I want to know those types of things, you know, because Coach Shaw was a former attorney too. There were documents listed out there that indicated that she was going to perhaps run some things by him in 2018. So was she running things by him any earlier than that or any later than that? Those are the things that I want answers to. Do I think we'll get answers to those questions? No, I will have to go and check the court's transcripts for that. But outside of that, I mean, was the season worth watching, Sarah? I don't know what worth looks like in Salt Lake. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that except to say uh, there was a lot of incredible discomfort about the ways that production... <sighs> celebrated and amplified some of Heather's Michigas that was incredibly uh, upsetting and I think damaging, uh, like genuinely damaging. Um, was it like valuable? Was it worthwhile to watch? Like, I actually don't know. I, like, I genuinely don't know. I, I, like, I can't answer that. But what I can say is that your point of her, she should have been at the reunion I agree. If these were the two options presented of her, if if the network decided that they were like ending the relationship with Jen and that Andy's positioning at BravoCon was in name only because she got disinvited by that event, but obviously invited to everything else. They at one point didn't invite her to the reunion. And then according to Jen, so like, again, trust your source, invited her after all. And then when she said, we can't talk about this, they were like, just kidding, you can't come. There should have been if she if they were going to continue to engage with her if they weren't in real time Meredith Marks disengaging it should have been the reunion or nothing like if they apparently set some sort of standard of like you need to answer these questions she said no it should have been the end 
And if the timing was based on we need to film the reunion before the sentencing, you obviously don't because we're now having a gap in between the finale and when the reunion aired. Like you you can figure that out if it's because they didn't know if she was going to be sentenced and like report that day or in the future. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say there except to say that this is incredibly hypocritical and it gives her voice and positioning more power. It is entirely possible that Andy is going to drag her. It's entirely possible we're going to see discomfort. It's entirely possible that the audience will feel some sort of completion of the circle and cycle. But the thing that make, gives me a lot of pause here is what Andy has, himself has said repeatedly. And if he is the vessel here instead of his cast, who have expressed a lot of ang- some of them, LOL, half of them have expressed frustration and upset about her crimes. The other half absolutely have not. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. It seems like Jen is getting a pretty sweet deal with Bravo. And like, what does that say? You know, like when it comes to worth, like how much is Bravo valuing the reality of Jen's crimes? Like, there's so much information available. There's so much content, so many content creators doing the work that it is so easy to understand the way that this is different from Teresa, that the way they are treating Jen, like even Teresa herself has said, like, this is completely fucked up. I would never do this. What would I say to my kids if I did? Like, if Teresa gets that, Teresa, who has experienced what she's experienced and pled guilty and served her time, like, I don't understand why we're not listening to that. But obviously they value Jen. Obviously they value Jen understanding that she's a criminal. Obviously they value the positioning in the way that they do. I just, and also we think that this is happening because Jen posed that fucking dress rehearsal pic on Instagram. So like, who even knows? There's been no confirmation. It seems very likely that it will. Andy said he hoped to do this. It sounds like it's happening. Whether or not it should, I, I, I can't answer. I think that there are people who have valid reasons why they want to see this, and I don't begrudge them for that. It's just so unfortunate that the gen we all know exists, the majority gen, continues to have a place at Bravo. Like, I don't know what would be a fireable offense if this is not. I guess to me, what I it does make me think deeper about the history of Salt Lake City as a show, and then asking myself if the red flags that were obviously there in the beginning were just mm. outweighed by an outlandishly entertaining personality, and if that just outweighed everything else, and lot like all logic and reason with regards to even continuing with her. And the reason I say that is because. You know, when you get selected for a show, there's usually a background check. You know what I'm saying? In some way, shape or form. Now, how deep they go, I have no idea. However, for me, there was a lot of red flags at the beginning when this woman could never accurately articulate what it was that she did. And to me, if you're going to display, parade, promote any person on your network, Again, and 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 maybe there's there's elements that just get away from people. I mean, the Tom Girardi thing, you know, mm-hmm. it, it there who I mean, who could have predicted that, right? But I do think that specifically when it involves the person that you're hiring, because it wasn't 
Tom being hired for the show. It was it was Erica. I don't know. It just I have to wonder if did did they willingly pass by the red flags for in production in favor of we have an outlandish personality, so we're just gonna rock with it, even though no one really kind of understands what she does. That's a red flag to me because when you display when you when you put someone on display on display on display on display a la Melissa <laughs> Gorga, every day every day every day <laughs> you know in and you are um showing them talking about they spend you know eighty thousand dollars on a party for a friend of the cast right out the gate I've got to know that what do you do like because that's a that's a natural question. That's the first thing that I'm asking when you tell me you spent $80,000 on a party. What do you do? How do you make that level of income? And if for me, I'm, as a producer, it's a red flag for me when I don't understand what you're doing. How, how did you, wait, wait. So how do you, how do you do this? Does anybody know what she does? Like, I gotta know. I gotta know. I mean, that's just me. But I, that's also how I think. And it's not just because this situation came up. I always think that. When when people have money, I want to know, what did you do? How did you get to it? Because there's a natural curiosity for me. How can I do that, right? Or or should I have been in that field? That's just me. Why, why was no one thinking, that's a red flag? Or did they have the same rose-colored glasses that Heather continues to wear? Yeah, I also think like the ways that people are you know associated with production aside from like the hr pr of it all like maybe they didn't see it as a red flag maybe they saw it as a future opportunity like heather in real time is going on the after show and saying um it doesn't matter what happens jen is really fun like i love that jen is continuing to send late night text messages uh that are really funny and meredith is awkwardly smiling at her because meredith doesn't know what the fuck to do at this point because she's aligned herself so heavily with um i'm going to side with jen no matter what like it's just really uncomfortable it's uncomfortable that bravo seems to be showing us these things and it's like well does it matter if it helps Jen's defense does it matter if it helps project the idea that Jen should be absolved of her crimes like or is it just showing us how other people feel I don't know there's like such a connection between the counter and expectation that like the responsibility here shifts to the audience to hold Jen accountable but then if Andy in real time is going on the radio on his radio show making fun of people asking why Jen hasn't been fired we're expecting the audience to be the counter but also dismissing them when they are like where does that lead us? Like at the end of the day, Heather has a bigger voice than the audience does. She's the one on TV. Like Jen's Q rating has to be in literal hell, but I I don't know what it means that Heather's voice and empathy and disinterest and understanding that she was def defrauded or misled, like her understanding of Jen's fun came at an extremely high cost for people unrelated to Heather who have much less money or access or privilege than Heather, whose lives have been literally ruined. People who feel suicidal because of this, people who genuinely experience trauma where in talking to prosecutors, they are crying and emotional because Jen has conti is continuing to traumatize them. I just, I don't know, like, 
the after show shows Heather being like, but she's fun. So what does it mean to cut ties? It just feels like that tie is grown tighter. And like Jen's not going to be there next season, but Heather is. So it's a continuation of all of this. It's tough. It's tough. I don't know what they're. I mean, it's a total to be continued. I'm curious if you do watch the special, your thoughts, you're going to have to come on ASAP. It is this kind of like really deep and kind of depressing conversation, but it's important, an important one to have. We have the privilege of not being deep inside that circle and that system in, in which to talk about it. Like that also like means that we don't have to carry with us the um, uh, need to blindly support or defend people. We get to have our own experiences regard and opinions regardless of whether or not people disagree. And I think that's all fine and good and important. And let's see what happens. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's It's depressing. I feel really fucking depressed about the way that Bravo has responded to this because they made a move with disinviting her from BravoCon. And that was like the only thing that they did. They've been rewarding her for this. I think the other that thing, sucks. the other thing that kind of interrupted the magic of the show was the, I was the idea that she pled guilty back in July. So it was kind of like, yeah, that's a great point. I'm watching a season that's really kind of behind and yeah. we're playing all types of games and and tiptoeing and tap dancing around it. But at the end of the day, we know she's going to be sentenced. We do know that Jen is going to be sentenced. And that's the difficulty with Salt Lake this season. We knew the ending. We knew the reveal. And I just wish that um, some of the as- other cast members knew as well. There just seems to be like talk about normalizing change your mind based on new information nobody really seems to be changing their mind about Jen. And it's just, there's so much here and understanding. And again, we have the privilege of not having been friends with Jen or friendly with Jen or hired Jen or promoted and amplified Jen to understand, I think, better as outsiders, the cost of her charisma, the cost of her charm. And whether or not background checks fucking suck, whether or not people aren't asking questions, whether or not people feel like asking questions should be something assigned to members of the cast on camera. It's like we couldn't know more now about who Jen is and always was. And it's that separation of like she pled guilty. She changed her plea in July. She was sentenced to federal prison in December. But that's not those aren't just the times in which Jen was, you know, like being real. Those aren't just the times in which we understand that like Jen in December is not a great Jen or like Jen in December feels repentant to us because there was a decade of this. And so we're being asked to trust that Jen made a mistake or that Jen is still really fun because in real time, she's living on like the planet of Jen, because there are also other people there. It's like the the optimism of we are still right in promoting her and amplifying her and supporting her and being her friend and saying, as Heather has repeatedly, it doesn't matter what she did. I know who Jen was. If that Jen that Heather understood is the only Jen we're seeing on TV by cutting out the Dana stuff, by cutting out other moments that wouldn't reflect well on Bravo, let alone Jen. That leaves us all in a very uncomfortable position 
especially in light of this sit down and one-on-one because that other counter isn't being experienced. The counter in which we would see Whitney's responses, Lisa, or at least the discomfort of Heather and Meredith next to Jen showing us fully how much they continue to support ignorance like in in what Jen did it's just we're we're skipping to this other thing here which makes me feel like as Andy literally said in November at a Fresca Tequila event he told us magazine that he hoped she got zero jail time so that she could return as quickly as possible that to me is giving me all the information, which I share those receipts on social, on stories. It's giving you, and it's easy to Google. It took me two seconds to counter what people were saying about he didn't actually say this before or after she changed her plea. He quite literally did. That's giving me a lot of information. And we're being led to believe that there's going to be information coming to light in this one-on-one. And it's like, well, court documents are available that are giving me a lot of information. But also, like, what does it mean if this is the vessel for that? This person who literally wants her to come back to Salt Lake, that was after, that was months after she changed her plea. He gave an interview with Us Magazine in November. She changed her plea months before in July and was this then sentenced in December. What does cutting ties look like in Bravo? You get fired for being a bad housewife. Why don't you get fired for being a criminal? Like at this point, thousands of victims lost their lives. Their lives were stolen by Jen, vulnerable older people, people my parents' age. Like if Evelyn Cohen had had her entirety of her life, her future, her stability, and didn't have a rich son, if her life had been stolen from her, would we be telling the person who stole that they have job security when she doesn't. She has no more security in her life that was stolen from her by a criminal. Would we be saying that that criminal has the right to keep their job and that we hope justice isn't served? I don't have an answer for it, but we have to discuss it because it it seems obvious to us. And again, for the 19 millionth time, we have the privilege. We don't hire her. We don't, we're not friendly with her. We haven't experienced her. We ourselves haven't necessarily been like manipulated still at this point to like think that like, well, she's only good and this was a mistake. I don't know. It's the benefit of having more information and a benefit, the benefit of being 10 feet away. But also he's, he's the voice of the network here. It, It really says something that he so emphatically has said this much this often at this point. Well, I also think it lends itself to the idea that without Jen on the show, where is the entertainment? That It's nowhere to be seen. It was great at BravoCon. The fucking four of them tussling was exciting. It felt like a reunion. I don't know what's going to happen with the reunion that we will actually be seeing, but I will say the four of them together, it was like crazy, crazy energy and all of us felt it in the room. but. I don't know. I I think we also had a different perception of who Heather was at that point. I think a lot of us are really struggling with the woman who was praised, people crying to and with her about the genuinely about the way that she has made people feel seen on Housewives that they haven't necessarily. And it's like, listen, 
this has not been just a reveal of Jen. And like, are we really going to get into that? Listen, I could talk to you all day. You know, I love you. I love you too. I love you so much. Where can folks follow you on social? You're, and also P.S. guys, Richie's reels are always fantastic. But like in the last couple days alone, I have been shrieking. I have been shrieking out loud, cackling my fucking ass off because you have been giving us literally everything. So where can people subscribe to your YouTube, follow you on social and get so much more? Well, you guys can follow me at everything at DJ Richie Sky. And I really started to do the Instagram reels because I, at the start of 2023, I said, I'm going to live this year. And Instagram mm-hmm. is, is meant for being social. Social media is meant to be social. So I'm just going to ask whatever questions come to my mind because these questions do hit me and I'm thinking them and I never ask them. And I'm like, you know what? Let me start asking questions. And I said, if Bethany can just get on her Instagram and just talk <laughs> and Ozzie, fucking TikTok. so can I. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> um, Listen, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I would love to know, are there any fellow Black content creators who you would love for us to amplify people whose voices we should be listening to, not just today, um, an important day to recognize, but all the days that follow, anyone we should be giving a shout out to? Yeah. I mean, just to name a few, um, there's Bondi Blue, who's really amazing, Grace Report, um, Layla Lynn, um, see Diggy, who else? Scotty by Nature, um, Erica De Niro TV, the Brooke Ashley. I mean, and those are just a few um, great creators out there that I really respect and have shown a lot of love to me as well. So if you guys can go check them out and support them, I would really love that. And I'm going to fuck this up because there are so many incredible Black content creators that I follow. Do not take me potentially leaving someone out as me not absolutely Absolutely. standing for them. But just top of my mind, top of my head, whatever. Obviously, Richie Sky, first and foremost. Kiki, also known as the Talk of Shame. Real Moms of Bravo. Erica Cobb, who uh, recently was nominated for an NAACP award. Michael Arsenault. The Smith sisters, Lauren and Mariah, both have been on AG before and are on Radio Andy now five days a week. Mixing with Moni. Real Moms of Bravo. Um, I could go on and on. And the Bravo community is um, an incredible place where there are a lot of diverse voices. And I would really encourage anyone who um, is interested in having the kind of nuanced conversations that we're having today to follow the people that we just mentioned, because there's a continuation here and an importance in having these kinds of complicated conversations. And we should be listening to all voices and all experiences. Because as we said, like normalize changing your mind based on new information, that same uh, ethos you know, is directly applied to understanding and changing our mind about different experiences by hearing from people whose experiences are going to be different from ours, just by the very nature of how a person identifies the ways that they've lived. All of that is incredibly important. Um, So shout out to all the people that we just mentioned and uh, the AG Patreon number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes. I did a Satchel Spectacular featuring a Satchel of Gold listener thought and feel question and concern from 30 30 people with thoughts on all things gentensing, including a satchel of gold 
from an AG who works in politics in D.C. who had a lot of the same questions that you did about background checks. So Mm. go listen to that episode. It's like 70 minutes long and there's going to be another Jen, all things Jen Salt Lake, Andrew Cohen up this week. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Ah, oh, Richie Sky, you know I love you so much. I, I really, if you do watch the special, I am. I, I just, and if the special happens, we literally only have confirmation from Jen, and it's like just your source, um, and that confirmation was a <laughs> wink with a fan. So, um, you know, I'm, I, who knows what will happen, but I know no matter what does, I'm going to want to hear your thoughts on it. I always am. Absolutely, uh, I always am. You know, I'm a call away. Oh, God bless. We love a Zoom here. It's the Zoom Clophis Kiki, and I look forward to it every time I have you on. Guys, I hope you're all doing okay, and, you know, we'll chat with you soon, all right? Bye-bye. Bye.